It is 7.07 here on your Wednesday night. That can mean only one thing. Yeah, the employment hour is back on here on AM 640-416-870-6400, star 640 on Sella. As always, taking your calls for the next hour. You have employment concerns, severance concerns. You don't know what's up with that sheet of paper in front of you. You want to give Leora a call, give us a call here on the air. And start uh, the steps to getting it sorted. We'll get to that. We'll get to the severance pay calculator. And as always, my friend, we start with the week that was. How has the week been? Well, John, it's uh, Wednesday, and it's already been a very, very busy week, and and that's why I'm here, though, because people have issues, people have questions. These things come up. We're not talking about obscure things, things that are not relevant. The topics we cover here on the Employment Hour, losing your job, having your rights uh, breached, uh, harassment, human uh, human rights, all those things are important things, things that, unfortunately, uh, at some point, most people are going to have to know and deal with. So that's why we're here, and we're going to be here till 8 o'clock and uh, here to answer questions. So if you're driving now or you're back from work, maybe you didn't have a good day or a good week, you want to know whether something is kosher or not, give me a call. Let's let's chat about it. Let's uh, try to give you some uh, solutions. Uh, Let me tell you, though, John, about a couple of situations uh, that I I saw this week. Uh, These both deal with employers that clearly do not listen to the employment hour. Uh, and uh, one came from my Toronto office, the the other one from the Ottawa office. The first matter I'll tell you about from the Toronto office, a lady worked for a a major, major bank, one of the the big banks, and worked there for a long time, 27 years, uh, right uh, in downtown Toronto. Uh, She lives in Maple, and the the bank decided that they're transferring her to Mississauga. Now, in terms of sheer distance, the distance from Maple to Toronto between uh, the difference between Toronto to Maple and Toronto to Mississauga uh, or Maple to Mississauga is not really that significant. But given the fact that she wasn't driving, for her to get to uh, to Mississauga from Maple, that would mean she'd have to take three different transits. Hmm. She'd have to spend two and a half hours commuting at least each day. And she also calculated that it would be uh, an extra $3,000 a year in, in commuting expenses. Whereas right now, to get to downtown Toronto, she'd only simply take a GO train, it's a 30-minute ride, easy peasy, no problem. Uh, so she was obviously concerned about it. She asked her employer, can you help me out, maybe increase my pay it by a bit at the least so I can cover these costs? She said, absolutely not. And that's what she called me. She actually called me earlier today, and she wanted to know what her rights were. Well, John, I've said this before on the show, and it bears repeating. An employer cannot make such a significant change. An employer does not have a right to relocate an employee in this way uh, to the point that it impacts them this much. It's not even a question of how many kilometers it is. It's a question of how is this going to impact her. To the extent that she's going to spend an extra two and a half hours a day and she's going to incur this extra cost, etc., to get to work, that's a huge change for her. So what does that mean? That means that she can treat her employment as being constructively dismissed. For her, that means she can leave instead of relocating and get severance, probably right around 20 to 24 months pay, a significant amount of pay. And by the way, John, all this employer had to do, the bank, is tell yeah, we'll increase your pay by a couple grand a year, and she probably would have been happy about mm-hmm. it and, and, and would have accepted it. Uh, they didn't do that, and now she's going to get uh, the severance that she's owed. And the lesson, of course, for our listeners there, and for employers and employees if, if, if an employee is faced with such a big change to how they get to work, to how long it takes them to the cost, they don't have to accept it. They can treat that as a termination and leave and get severance, John. What else you got going on this week? 
Second matter from our auto office, uh, an employer that really should have, should know better. Uh, they had a, an employee uh, that uh, worked really well, but unfortunately had to go off on a medical leave uh, three months ago. The company had no problem with the employee going on a medical leave, but they kept saying, well, you need to get a clearance to return back to work. Get a clearance, get a clearance. Unfortunately, he wasn't, he wasn't able to get to work, so he wasn't able to get a clearance. He was still sick. After three months of being on leave, they sent him a letter, put this in writing, saying, since you haven't been cleared to go back to work, well, you're no longer working. You, you've resigned. Essentially, in this employer's mind, there was a choice between either you get cleared to work or you're not an employee. There's no middle ground. Well, of course, hopefully our listeners by now know that's nonsense. An employee can be off on a medical leave of absence. doesn't matter uh, if it's three months or, or six months or two years, as long as the doctor says that they need to be off work. Uh, the, the employer can't insist they come back to work. If they can't work, they can't work. So what does this employer uh, do? They essentially terminate the employee, so now they're going to owe the employee severance, but it's also a human rights matter. They weren't accommodating him. They, weren't being, uh, they didn't allow him to continue keep, to keep his job, uh, despite the fact that he had a medical condition. So this employer really should have known better. The lesson, of course, is you can be off work as long as you need to be if a doctor supports your absence. We'll take our uh, first break, pal. The number 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You want to talk to Lior right till 8 o'clock tonight. We'd love to have you on the show. Anytime you need to get a hold of Lior outside of the show, I'll give you that number as well. Write this one down, 1-855-821-5900. The Employment Hour right here, Talk Radio, AM640. 716 on your Wednesday. We got open lines. Feel free to give us a call. You have employment questions, anything under that uh, that particular ban. I want to know about the severance pay calculator. We'll get that in just a few minutes here. Uh, you know, we've talked about it. We've had requests for this, uh, Leo, every show. People talking about independent contractors. We get callers every week saying, oh, I am one. Here's the deal. I've been let go, so on and so forth. But you got to get down to brass tacks and really uh, sort this out, discuss what an individual should uh, do to really be an independent contractor. I'll throw this one out at you first. Uh, have written agreements setting out the terms. How about that? John, thank you. And ultimately, this is a, a huge issue. Uh, people call me all the time. You think people call us a lot on the show, but it, well, people call me at the office about this all the time. Uh, and we started talking about it last week, but we need to continue this discussion. What does it mean or how do you actually become an independent contractor? How does that actually work? Well, because it, a lot of people think, well, all I have to do is say that I'm an independent contractor or for the company to say that. And presto, I become an independent contractor. Well, think if that was the case, how simple it would be and how everyone would be an independent contractor. Why would anyone ever be an employee? Hmm. All you would have to do, John, is say I'm an independent contractor, done. No more employees ever. Uh, it's clearly not that simple. And the vast majority of people that think they're independent contractor or, or consultants or on contract, there's so many names for it, really are considered employees in the eyes of the law. So how do we become really an independent contractor? As you've just said, one of the ways is we want to have a proper written agreement, John, that sets out the terms that makes a clear number one that we're an independent contractor, but also makes us look different than employees. An agreement that says that we don't have to work exclusively, that we don't have fixed hours, that we don't necessarily have to work from the office, uh, that we're responsible for our expenses, that sets out those things. Uh, if it simply says, hey, you're an independent contractor and you're working Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, that doesn't work. You really are an employee. 
remember, throughout this discussion, what I want people to understand, it's always substance over form, John. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell to give us a call and ask some questions here tonight. Talking about the independent contractor, what really is an independent contractor? How about like a fixed duration agreement that's, uh, you know, subject to a renewal? Yeah, so if you want to be an independent contractor... Having an indefinite duration agreement, so saying you're starting uh, Monday and that's it, it doesn't have an end date, that's very likely to make you an employee. On the other hand, if you have an agreement that says, I only work for a period of time, so I'm going to be hired for a month, two months, six months, so a fixed period of time, that's more likely to make someone an independent contractor. And it's more likely. It's not enough on its own, but it's more likely. Uh, so the way I would do it if I wanted to create a relationship of an independent contractor is I would have that fixed-term contract, let's say it's for three months, and I would put there in the option for renewal. So after three months, we'll decide whether we want to renew it. So rather than have an indefinite agreement that doesn't have an end date, which almost always automatically would make someone an employee, mm-hmm. we want to have that agreement with a fixed end date with the opportunity for renewal. How about when it comes to work hours? So when it comes to work hours, uh, remember, John, an employee usually has hours that are set by the employer. They're usually fixed, uh, and and the employee doesn't have too much discretion. So if you're, quote-unquote, an independent contractor, and you you are in the same situation, fixed hours, same hours regularly, you're an employee. It doesn't matter what you call yourself. So how do you become an independent contractor? You want to have flexibility when it comes to your hours of work. You want to be able to say that, hey, my hours are not fixed. Maybe they change. Or maybe the best thing is you decide when you work. You have a job to get done if you're an independent contractor, and it's up to you to decide how long it's going to take you, when you're going to work, as long as you get it done by the deadline that the, the company needs you to. So whenever we're talking about fixed hours, so you're going to work Monday to Friday from 9 to 3, whatever it is, that's automatically a sign that you're really an employee. How about what, uh, you know, not full-time hours unless, you know, for a short period of time. Does that qualify as well? Yeah, well, and, and if you're, I see this all the time, someone calling themselves an independent contractor, but they're working full-time hours. They're working exclusively in full-time for a company. Well, John, if you're working full-time for a company, you are that company's employee. I don't care what you call yourself. But on the other hand, if you're only working full-time for a limited period of time, so maybe you're hired on a, on a particular project and we need you for the first two weeks to work here for 40 hours each week, that's okay. But if you're simply hired on a, on a full-time basis, working full-time hours, uh, and, and you think you're an independent contractor, well, no, you have another thing coming. You're not. And, and the problem with all these things, John, is you don't want to misclassify yourself. If you misclassify yourself and you call yourself something that you're not, number one, the law uh, doesn't uh, won't afford you protections, but beyond that, you can get into problems with our friends at the CRA. Right. You're going to say, hey, I'm filing my taxes like an independent contractor, except CRA is going to look at it and say, uh, no, we don't think so. You're an employee, and all these deductions that you try to get, those are not appropriate. And maybe now, because you try to get those deductions, 
we're going to give you some fines and penalties. It's just a bad thing to do, John. We'll take another break. Phone lines, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Good time to call us. You want to talk about independent contractors or anything, separation, your work agreements, your severance package. That's what we're here for right up till 8 o'clock. 726, yeah, this is the time you want to call and ask your questions while we have Lior here until 8 o'clock on Wednesdays. We also do the show Monday nights at 7 o'clock as well. Got uh, John in Hamilton. John, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening. Uh, doing fine, thank you. Appreciate your time. Thanks no worries. For my call. What's your concern? Uh, I've been working for this company for about 11 years, and uh, the boss has turned around and uh, basically he's looking to sell the place. And he's not being shy about it. He's had the real estate agent come through and so on and so forth. And I've questioned him on my severance, and he's come up with uh, basically on the, on, on the side told me that uh, I'm only getting eight weeks. Now, I've done a little bit of research, and eight weeks is the bare minimum, but hmm. after uh, 11 years of service, is, is, really, is, is that all I'm, I'm worth, eight weeks? So, John, first question is this. If the business is sold, do you know or do you have any idea as to whether you're going to continue working with the new company, or, or is that not going to be an option? No, he's closing the business down completely, and basically he's just selling the building and closing the business. He's- I got it. Okay, so you're going to be out of a job. Okay, so 11 years of employment. John, what kind of a job? What do you do? Manufacturing. Manufacturing. It's a non-union job? Yes, sir. Okay, and how old are you, John? Uh, just in my 40s. So someone in your situation is entitled to right around 10 months' pay. Okay, 9 to 10 months. And I said months, not weeks. Pay. Now, uh, so eight weeks would be nonsense. It is your minimum, but it's a lot less than what your full entitlements are. So both you and your colleagues would all have uh, significantly greater entitlements than the, those minimums. Do you know when this is happening? Uh, I would say this year, probably within uh, the next few months or so. So here's the thing. Uh, until, until and unless this happens, you, you can't leave and you can't do anything about it. You have to continue business as usual, go to work, do your job. If and when you find out of the specific date on which uh, this, this business is closing, the date on which you're going to be out of a job, I want you to give me a call at that point, uh, and then we can talk about how we approach your employer to make sure that you get everything that you're owed. But it's very important that you remember, as well as tell your colleagues, that they have significant entitlements, and you, for you specifically, nine to ten months pays what you'd be owed, John. Oh, okay. So I'm going to give you a, a number to call there, John. The number that uh, Lior mentioned, one 821 5900 Keep that written down for uh, when that event rears its, uh, its ugly head. Gary, hi there. Hi, how's it going? Good, pal. What's going on with you? So question um, for what you guys were talking about before, the employee versus contractor mm-hmm. thing. So I know the right. most common thing is that uh, that employer will say to you, listen, we're going to treat you as, as a contractor just because they don't want to pay payroll tax and benefits. Exactly, exactly. But, but about the situation where, let's say from their perspective, they go, you know, you're, you're an employee from our perspective. We don't, we don't care. We're, we're treating as an employee. But let's say, you know, I do five different things for, for other, other uh, companies similar. But so really, for me, it's, you know, I have five different clients. I do something, you know, it's, you know, I'm not reliant on anyone. I use my own laptop. I use my own material. And one of them goes, you know, we're treating it, so they're going to give me a T4. So for right. me, that sucks because, you know, I'd like to claim, you know, my, my parking, my, uh, you know, my, my, my gas, all that kind of stuff. But now, you know, I'm getting a T4, so it looks, you know, CRA is going to see a T4, so I'm going to go, well, this guy's an employee. 
Well, and interesting because it's, it, this your situation may be one where potentially you could actually be legally and legitimately uh, an independent contractor, and yeah, usually exactly. the company would be the first one they they would want to do that because they could save money uh, in terms of not having to pay themselves into EI and CPP, and then they just yeah 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 exactly administratively. Now yeah. that said. If a company says, we don't care about that, you're our employee, we're yeah. going to pay you our employee, and we have, we're happy to comply with you know, issues such as overtime and vacation yeah, 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 pay yeah, yeah, yeah. and hours of work, that can't be changed. You can't make them treat you like an independent contractor. Yeah, uh, and I can. I haven't yet in my before this call that you just made, Gary. I haven't heard of a company that insisted someone be an employee when they don't need to be. But if they are insisting for whatever reasons, yeah, uh, then you can't say, well, I'm gonna do something to not be an employee. At that point, they can make that call, and as long as they comply with their obligations as a, as an employer, then you're an employee. You may be considered a part-time employee, but you otherwise would be an employee in any event. For 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 uh, you talking about legal or like a, like tax for for both. So for both? You, you, okay. you you can't separate the two uh, in this sense. So if you're an employee for for employment okay. law standpoint, you'll be an employee for tax purposes uh, as well. And so so there's really no way to make them have you as an independent contractor or for you to then go ahead and treat yourself as an independent contractor in in such a situation. So even even though the fact, like you said, uh, something to a form, I'm, I'm a, from my perspective, I'm a I'm an independent contractor. You think in that case it doesn't matter because they've chosen. Yeah. Okay. The thing is, someone can always be an employee, no matter what they do. They just can't always be an independent contractor. So you can be an employee even if you work for a company an hour a month. You can be an employee for that hour. No, no, of course I know that, but but the other way, like you said, looking at all the facts, I have other clients. I'm not relying on them. I have my own, my own my own tools, my own this, my own. I can set my my hours. Yeah, they, they no, just, from their perspective, they just know what I do with them. They don't know what I do with you know six other 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 clients, other other employers. Mm. My best advice, Gary, is speak to them. Try to make them understand, you know, that that how this hurts you and and it hurts them in this situation. And hopefully, you can you can uh, talk some sense into them. If they refuse, you, you have to proceed as an employee. Gary, further down the road, if you need a number, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. The email is Lior L I O R at employmenthour dot com. And, of course, more of your phone calls coming up after a short break as we continue that in our conversation on independent contractors, 416-870-6400-STAR-640 on your cell. Yeah, that number indeed, 416-870-6400-STAR-640 on cell to uh, get through to Lior tonight. Get your questions asked up until uh, 8 o'clock, and uh, we'll get to uh, Dave in Brampton. Hey, Dave, what's up? How are you doing, uh, Lior? Yes, hi, Dave. How are you doing? Uh, it's an honor to talk to you. I've been listening to you from day one. Thank you, my friend. One of the situations that's never come up since then is, how do you get paid? So, uh, Are we talking about uh, defending O.J. Simpson here? Or, like, how does that work? Right? Mm-hmm. So when I uh, get retained by someone to help them enforce their rights, I usually present them with several options. Uh, including a, a contingency uh, arrangement where I take a percentage, including a situation where I charge a flat fee or st- uh, straight-up hourly billings. Uh, I present the options, and usually it's up to the person to decide. And whichever way uh, that uh, we go as part of uh, any resolution and settlement, we negotiate compensation for legal fees over and above 
the amount that are otherwise owed to the person. So my goal in every case, whether I take a percentage or a flat fee or any other amount, is to get the company to reimburse, if not all, then most of the legal fees. And in the vast majority of cases, that's exactly what happens. Well, that's good. Uh, it's good to know because uh, people that are losing their jobs, the last thing they want to do is uh, pay big bucks to a lawyer, right? Well, absolutely. Listen, most of my clients, by definition, don't have a lot of money because they just lost their jobs. So for me to say, hey, pay me 20 grand or even pay me 5 grand uh, would, would not be reasonable in most cases. So, no, we understand that. Uh, and the thing is this, Dave, a lot of people believe that when it comes to these disputes, legal fees are high, that it's going to cost all this money. In many cases, we can resolve the matters very, very quickly, and the legal fees ultimately would be nominal and maybe even zero because we're able to negotiate compensation for legal fees from the company. So it should never be an issue for people, or that should never be the thing standing in the way from people getting advice and pursuing their entitlements. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sell. That is the number we were talking about, uh, independent contractors and the like, before we had a, a string of phone calls there. Got some open lines. You want to drop us a call? you got about 20 minutes uh, till 8 o'clock to, uh, to reach out and, uh, and talk to us. Flexibility as to where work is done. There's another angle of the independent contractor, yeah? Yeah, yeah, exactly, John, because guess what? An independent contractor, and this is going to be a theme here, has a lot of flexibility in terms of getting the work done, okay? A lot of flexibility. An employee generally does not have flexibility. You have to go to work at the time that the employer says, at the location the employer says, follow the company's policies, uh, do all those things that the company says, and, and, you know, that's your job because you're the company's employee. An independent contractor is the opposite. An independent contractor is someone that's in business for themselves, okay? So if I'm in business for myself, I don't really have a boss. And if I don't have a boss, no one can really tell me what to do. I may have a client, so I have to do you know, what my client wants, but I don't have a boss. So an independent contractor is going to have flexibility, including, as you've just said, flexibility in terms of where the work is done. I can work from home. I can work from my own office. I can work from the company's office. I have that flexibility. On the other hand, if I supposedly I'm an independent contractor and my deal with the company is that I'm going to come to the office every day and work from their offices every day, guess what? I'm very likely to be considered to be an employee in the eyes of the law because I don't have that flexibility. Flexibility is key to making someone a real independent contractor. How about something like uh, you know being responsible for all your expenses, et cetera, et cetera, stuff like that? That's huge, John. That's probably one of the biggest ones, uh, factors that make someone an independent contractor because an employee generally does not have any real financial risk. What I mean by that is any expenses that you incur, incur for your employer when you're an employee is going to be covered by the company. So if you have to take a, a client for lunch or if you have to go to a trade show or if you have to buy uh, paper for the printer for the, for the office, the company is going to reimburse all that because it's a business expense. It's not your expense. On the other hand, an independent contractor incurs expenses and pays for their own expenses. So if you have to pay your own expenses, then you're in business for yourself. You have to manage those expenses to make money. On the other hand, if the company pays all your expenses, you're not really paying your own expenses, then you're probably and very likely not an independent contractor. You're very likely to be considered an employee in that situation. And then that issue, paying your own expenses, is a key distinguishing factor. Rick, let me uh, let me slide you in here before we take a uh, short break. How are you, pal? 
Hey, Rick. Good. How you doing? Good, man. What's your concern? Um, I work for a company, and we resell. We're an authorized dealer for a company, another company. Uh, we sell features and services for that company. Now, sometimes they get involved in negotiation of contracts with our customers, and they set prices and stuff. And sometimes they come back to the customers and say, listen, if you want the price that you want, we have to cut out the dealer. Right. Now, we've lost a few customers, and and there's possibly a few more to go. Uh, If I lose any more of the big customers, I could see my office being shut down. Now, does the company that we are authorized to sell for have any liability for for myself or, you know, the staff that works for me? So the, their only liability liability would not be for for severance, but it would be potentially. Are they? The question is, are they allowed to do this? Are they allowed to to kind of cut you out in that way? And that would depend on on whatever the agreement is. Uh, usually, when agreements are signed, there there are specific obligations. That, that each party has in terms of how we work together and, and how do we not uh, you know, step on each other's toes. So on the other hand, if they're not breaching any agreement with you, they're, they're doing it legally and there's nothing that says they can't do what they're doing, which is to cut you out. And, and because of that, you're losing business and now you can't uh, you know, pay your employees. Unfortunately, because they've done nothing wrong, they don't have liability. And you as the employer, if you're the employer, have to decide how to manage a business and how to reduce costs. And if you do have to let employees go, then you're, you're, you're liable for their severance based on the usual factors. Uh, and uh, I, I know something there seems to me that it, it's not right. I mean, what's the point of being an authorized reseller if they don't really need you, if they catch, can cut you off directly that way? But if that's allowed, then, then it becomes your responsibility. Thanks for the call, Rick. We'll take a short break. 416-870-6400-STAR-640 on your cell. The Employment Hour, the Wednesday night edition continues here. Talk Radio AM 640. 740-70, got some time to call through and talk to us. Get your uh, concerns out there with Lior. He's here till 8 o'clock. Our other show, of course, uh, Monday night at 7 o'clock here as well. Alessandro. Yes. How are you, pal? I'm good. How are you doing? What is going on with you? Lior's there. Sorry, say it again? Go ahead. What's your concern? My concern is I'm a media subcontractor. I currently work for a few people in Toronto and up north here in Barrie. And I want to know, is there any way where I can offer my subcontracting services to the States or anywhere else in the world and perform a transaction without having to be sponsored or the other kinds of visas that are involved Hmm. to work in other places? Um, My understanding, uh, Alessandro, that you cannot do that, uh, but you you would have to talk with with an immigration specialist, immigration lawyer that specializes in in U.S. visas. Uh, But my understanding, again, it's my understanding only that you cannot do that without a proper visa and a work permit there, Uh, but I I encourage you to speak with with an immigration lawyer on that front. Okay, that's about it. Okay, thanks, pal. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. We're talking about the ins and outs of being an independent contractor or not. How about, uh, for instance, continue looking for other clients? How about that angle? Yeah, so uh, the thing that people don't understand is that an independent contractor is someone that's in business for themselves. So if if you're you're a, a business person, what do you do as a business person? Well, as a business person, you're trying to get clients, right? That's what a business person does. They always try to increase their client base so they can increase revenues. So if you're an independent contractor, you're expected to either have other clients uh, or at the very least try to get other clients. 
So that goes back to my point earlier. If you're working for a company nine to five, Monday to Friday, and you're happy, you're making the income that you want to make, and, and then you go home and forget about it, well, then you're not an independent contractor because you're not in business for yourself. So what I want people to ask themselves if they want to understand or, or, or know is if they're an, an independent contractor, is ask yourself, am I really a business person? Do I run a business? Or am I just someone that has a job? If you're someone that has a job, you're an employee, doesn't matter what you call yourself. If you're a business person and you manage expenses and you, you have several clients or you're trying to actively get clients, then yeah, you may well be an independent contractor. I, I can tell you, John, that most people that believe and think that they're independent contractors uh, don't meet that uh, test and, and are really employees. How about if you have, say, like a, a unique role or you'd be doing something, uh, you know, a job that other employees for the company don't do? Yeah, so if, you're, uh, if there's four employees for the company that do a particular job, you're the fifth person and you do the same job as them, then guess what? If they're employees, you're an employee as well. It doesn't matter what you call yourself. On the other hand, if you have a unique job, different than what the job is that other employees in the company have, then, then yeah, you may well be an independent contractor. If your role is different, it's unique, you do something that's specialized that no one else in the company does, then again, so long as you meet some of the other criteria and they have, you have the flexibility, you may well be considered uh, a, an independent contractor. But not, it doesn't work if you're simply doing the same job that other people do, then you're almost always going to be an employee. How about an example of, and I know we've talked about this before, we'll take someone like a, a real estate agent who's, you know, they, they work maybe in the office, maybe out, they've got a business card that says, you know, Remax or Harvey Callis, but are they an independent contractor or an employee? You know, and, and this, is, uh, this is always a hot topic and it's a controversial issue a bit, but in my view and based on uh, the test and based on some of what our, our, our Ministry of Labor said as well as our courts, in most cases, John, real estate agents are considered employees. Now, a lot of real estate agents that are hearing us now or real estate brokers that are hearing us, they say, what the heck are you talking about, Lior? Uh, no, we're not employees. Well, guess what? You are. Again, substance over form. If I'm a real estate agent and I work for Remax, as an example, uh, then and I, I can only work for Remax. I sign an agreement that says I can only work for Remax, and I, I work out of their office, and I get all my leads through Remax, and I have to use their computer system and accounting system, etc. Then you know what? I am their employee. It doesn't matter that I call myself an independent contractor. So a lot of real estate agents that are hearing this right now that are quote unquote or believe that they are quote unquote independent contractors really are employees, John. We'll take that uh, last break for the evening. Your phone calls 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. you got a couple minutes to get him in before we wrap it up for uh, for another week here at the Employment Hour. Talk Radio, AM 640. A couple more minutes to go here and uh, get to some calls, get to the severance pay calculator. Haven't touched on that yet. Uh, Angelo, good evening. Hi, how you doing, John? Good, sir. What's happening with you? Uh, well, I'm being, I feel I'm being constructively dismissed, and I want to just get clarification if it's really happening. Go ahead, Angela. Well, um, uh, the contract, the company has a contract with a certain uh, IC distributor, and uh, their contract has been changed, and uh, now my pay, uh, the con- I've been on this contract uh, for the past eight years, and now my pay has dropped by 30 to 40%. Wow. Yeah, and uh, regardless of that, they're still on a hiring spree to bring on more drivers. So it looks like they're picking winners. They're picking workaholics over, uh, uh, you know, uh, long-term guys that have been there for eight years. Now, Angela, did your pay always fluctuate, or was it always consistent? 
it was always consistent. It was always, uh, you know, 80K a year, uh, every single year, and uh, now everything has completely changed. When, when did this change happen? When did they reduce your pay? Probably in the past uh, three months. Okay, well, y your window is closing very, very quickly. What I mean by that is, yes, first of all, this is a constructive dismissal. A company can't reduce your pay that much. Uh, there's no chance of that. Now, uh, the problem is, because this happened a few months ago and you've continued working, they may have an argument that you've accepted it because you, you're still there. So we need to deal with this now, okay? So I need you to call me tomorrow. I wouldn't sit on this for an extra day even. Uh, call me as soon as possible, and let's talk about this, and let's get you out of there if, if that's what you want, and get you severance. Okay. Um, I've already spoken to Stan. Stan okay. called me from your place. Well, great. And he told, he told me because I'm a truck driver and because I can be employed the very next day after leaving a, this company, that uh, there is no undue hardship. Well, it's not a question of undue hardship. If you are able to replace your income right away, then you may be entitled to a lot less severance because you don't have any losses. Severance is intended to, to cover someone while they don't have another job. So if it's true that you could leave tomorrow and find another job a day the, the, uh, job the next day, then yeah, you may not have uh, any losses. So because of that, there may be no be a point to pursue this. You're the only one that can say whether or not you're going to find a job right away. If you are, that's a consideration. If you think it may take you a while, then again, a different situation altogether. I see. So if you're if you're the type of employee who's in high demand, uh, it's very difficult to to show undue hardship in a constructive dismissal. Hmm. Again, it's not about undue hardship. It's about financial losses. Uh, if if you if you don't lose money because you're out of a job then in that situation, uh, then there's nothing to, to cover you for. There's nothing to get your compensation for. So that's a question of did you lose any money? But uh, you're the only one that can answer how quickly you can get reemployed. Angelo, in the meantime, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Got about a minute here, buddy. Tell me more about the severance pay calculator as we close out. Yeah, John, someone lost their jobs. They want to know how much they're owed. They want to know if their severance is fair. They want to know if their termination letter is fair. You go to severancepaycalculator.com. You find out exactly how much you're owed. You input your age, position, length of employment, and that's it. You're done. It's easy. It's free. It's anonymous. Severancepaycalculator.com. That's it. We're done as well for this week. Again, on the weekend, you'll hear the show again. And, of course, Mondays and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. You get the employment hour here. You want to call in, talk to Lior. The number outside of show hours, like now, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred, and email Lior L I O R at employmenthour dot com. Till next time, the Employment Hour, right here, Talk Radio AM six forty.